Matthew chapter 5, verses 27. Where do you want me, how much do you want me to read? Adultery. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Great questions. We're now going to pray for your talk. We need this, thank you. <clears throat> Lords, we pray for the talk that we're about to be given, that it came from you and that we learn all about what you want from us and what you want us to do and what not to do. We hope that everyone can understand and everyone can hear. Make sure it's everyone that pays attention and learns us something. Amen. Amen. There are some notes on the tables, and you'll, I hope you find it really helpful to have those. They've got a couple of references, things that you can look up later, uh, and some useful resources. As you can imagine, I was uh, pretty anxious. Why has Sarah asked me to do a talk on pornography? <laughs> does she think I'm an expert? What does she know? Actually, I'm filling in for someone else who couldn't do it. But um, uh, yeah, this has been an issue for me at points uh, in my life. I'm not going to go into any more detail uh, than that. But also, I'm a Bible teacher, and uh, the Bible does have important and helpful and valuable things to say in this area. I'm going to start with three assumptions. I put them there at the top of the notes. This is a widespread issue. It is a very, very common issue, either directly because it's an area of temptation in our lives or because we know or are related to people for whom this is an issue. So either way, I would suspect all of us, either directly or indirectly, come into contact with this issue, and that is true for Christians, not as much, but it's true for Christians as well as non-Christians as well. This is a really difficult issue. A lot of us will feel incredibly ashamed, possibly a bit confused, and quite likely shocked. Ashamed about uh, what we have uh, looked at and the kind of things that have um, uh, gone through our minds or shocked at the thought that other people, perhaps people we know, people in a church, people in church leadership, might have looked at some of this stuff. And it is a biblical issue. Okay, they didn't have the internet. But actually, this is an issue of the human heart. And the human heart has always been sinful, and there have always been temptations in this area. And the Bible is full of guidance and warning and hope. Quite a lot of uh, the next uh, 20 minutes or so is going to be made up with two videos. So as part of my preparation for this, I thought I could speak for 20 minutes or I could invite two other people to come and join us at least virtually. So the first is a really short three-minute video just to set the scene and again to give us a couple of helpful pointers. Three short notes there, but let's listen to a chat called Trip Lee. Uh, well, pornography has been something that's been on my heart a lot over the past many years as I've thought about uh, my music and my writing and any ways I can influence one because I just know how much of an epidemic it really is among young men. Um, 
it's coming to the point where if I talk to a young man about his life, uh, I'm not, whether somebody my age, or a little bit younger, or maybe a little bit older, I'm not at all surprised to hear that there's some kind of struggle with porn. And I would be shocked if I met a young man who hasn't had a struggle with it at some point, because it's just so easily accessible, and it's, uh, it's so damaging to our soul. So, so when I talk to young men who are struggling with it, uh, often what you get, if it's a Christian, if it's a guy who's a Christian and really wants to honor Jesus, often what you get is it's just very deep despair. Uh, because it's unique. It's a unique sin, even unique to other sexual sins, because you don't, at this point, have to go anywhere to indulge in it. You don't have to make a long series of bad decisions to fall into it. It can just be very easy in your pocket at any moment. There's often this kind of despair, feeling they're imprisoned by their sin, feeling they want to fight it, they felt like it was good for a week. And so one of the first things that I want to do is I want to remind them of the gracious gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. That, hey, you could have looked at porn every day for the last 500 days, and Jesus has not run out of grace. That same cross that you heard about the first time is the same cross that can forgive you now. Second thing I want to do is I want to press into their heart the seriousness of that sin. That we wouldn't in any way think just because it's our eyes on a computer screen or because it's just us by ourselves engaging whatever we're engaging in that it's less of a serious sin. Now listen, it's very serious, mainly because of the God you're sinning against. Also the people you're sinning against who you're watching on the porn and also the way it's going to affect your life, your relationship with Jesus, your future marriage if you're not married yet, your marriage if you are married. All of those reasons. Uh, and then the third thing I want to encourage is be very open about that sin. The biggest mistake I think that so many people make because of embarrassment, uh, and though we wouldn't want to admit it, our love for that sin is we don't want to expose ourselves to other people. But when we refuse to expose that sin, what we're really saying is, instead of killing this sin, I'm going to coddle it. Instead of fighting this sin, I'm going to protect it, and I'm going to leave it over here in the dark where it can keep surviving and keep growing and go deep into my heart. If we want to kill that sin, we have to expose it. We have to bring other people in and confess that sin very regularly. So those are the main things. I want to remind you of the gospel. I want to remind you how serious that sin is, and I want to remind you of the benefits of other believers in your life to help you fight it. Oh, that's a great three minutes, and I've put the link there if you want to go and uh, look that up for yourself. What does the Bible say about pornography? And I've taken some notes from a book, big, thick book, but it's actually quite an easy read, called Christian Ethics by an American called Wayne Grudem. What is pornography? Well, it's anything that's designed to arouse our sexual desires for someone other than our spouse, other than the person that we're married to. And it could be, it's mainly visual now, but it could be something that you read as well. There are various uh, forms. Why is viewing pornography wrong? So the Bible's clear that our uh, uh, sex and sexual desire are good. They're a tremendous gift from God, but there is only one place in which they're to be used, and that's within heterosexual marriage. So it's a good thing, and as so often, what Satan does is take something good and just slightly deflects it and distorts it. One of the key verses is uh, in the Ten Commandments, where God says, you shall not commit adultery. Now, this is, of course, primarily addressing people who are already married, and it's even in the Ten Commandments, it's clear that it's not just about action, but it's about our thought life as well, because the last of the commandments says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And uh, 
it's clear from statistics that uh, viewing pornography is becoming increasingly a problem for women as well. And as we'll see in a moment, one of the clearest examples of pornography is that used by a woman in the Bible. So it's both ways. We've just heard that reading uh, read to us from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, yup, uh, this is about what is going on in our hearts. It's about our attitudes. It's about looking at wanting someone, wanting someone and something that is not rightly ours. So Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Proverbs is a book in the Old Testament that uh, is written, the way it's presented is written by an older, wiser man to a younger man. And he's got quite a lot to say about just don't get drawn away in the area of sexuality. Do not desire an adulteress's beauty in your heart. And then a really dramatic example of the use of pornography in the Bible. Well, it's actually part of a parable. Uh, and uh, it's in Ezekiel. I'll leave you to look up the context. And the city of Jerusalem is, is pictured as a woman. And this woman sees... Uh, paintings of men on the wall. She saw men portrayed on the wall. She lusted after them. She then went and sent for them. So in the end, what was going on in her thought life translated into her real life. They came to her. After she was defiled by them, she turned from them in disgust. And there's just this brilliant bit of psychological insight there that uh, there's this real tension. Because sex and sexuality are so good... It's something that we, there's a sense that we rightly long for it. But when we find it illegitimately, wrongly, outside of God's rules, there's a certain disgust. And perhaps we want to kind of get rid of it. That's our, uh, often our immediate response. And we see that in that woman's life. Over the page. Why does the, why does the Bible then say that this is wrong? Uh, well, God is always wanting to guide us for our good. And the viewing of pornography is harmful. Some of the reasons that were touched, in that, uh, touched on in that short video. It harms our relationship with God. If I cherished iniquity, word for sin, and that would include looking at pornography in my heart. If I cherished it, the Lord would not have listened. Uh, of course God is going to feel far away. Of course there are going to be areas uh, uh, of our Christian life that are going to start withering. Uh, if we're indulging in sin and not seeking to fight against it and to say sorry, to repent of it. It will harm ourselves, abstain from the passions of the flesh. And uh, each one of us are subject to temptation. So if we are mercifully free, or have been, for whatever reason, from temptation in the area of pornography, well, there will be other passions of the flesh uh, that are equally serious. And all of them are waging war against our souls. So one of the things that pornography does is make us inward-looking, and that's not the way that we're designed to be. Sexuality should, should open us up and draw us to others. That's how we're designed to be in community. Uh, uh, pornography uh, makes us uh, self-focused and inward-looking. It harms our relationships. There's a huge amount uh, that we could say here um, and explore. It, we probably know that pornography is an unreal presentation, that that is not really what the world is like, not what relationships are like. But actually we get sucked in and it deceives us and it deceives us pr profoundly. 
And uh, to those of you who are not yet married, uh, as you said in the, in the video, uh, it is going to cause a real barrier when you get married to how you relate to your spouse. Those of us that are married, uh, we will have sensed how it subtly shapes and uh, introduces unreal expectations into our relationships. And it can cause great anxiety to us, uh, to our, our spouse, because uh, there's some uh, unreal, uh, untrue uh, expectations that we can feel that we're failing against. And really significant, I think we're becoming more aware of this, it harms the participants. Uh, these are people who almost always have been exploited in some significant way, often directly through uh, sexual slavery. Uh, if we knew that someone was being uh, sexually abused uh, out, outside this church, I hope that each of us, and especially every man here, would rush out and lay our lives on the line to defend uh, a woman who was, who was being attacked. Uh, and yet that ought to be our response when we see some of these images, because that actually, however uh, glossy or whatever type they may be, that's what's been going on behind the scenes. Why is there hope? Thank God that there is hope. Because Jesus has died to forgive and cleanse us because the Holy Spirit is able to free and empower us. This is not something, no temptation. Uh, the Spirit is unable to rescue us from. There are some temptations. Uh, if you've met someone who's been an alcoholic, uh, very often they will say, I'm a recovering alcoholic. They may not have had a drink for 20 or 30 years, but they know that this is just a particular vulnerability and this may be just a, a challenge that will dog us through our lives. That will be, it will just, uh, it's just one of our areas. And we're always going to have to say, yep, I'm a recovering porn addict. Something I've always, I'm just always aware is there, I've always got to be fighting against. But the Spirit is able to enable us to do that. And the church is there to support us. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I don't think this necessarily means that we've got to confess our sins to everyone else in the church. <laughs> and at this point, you might be quite relieved that that's uh, thought. It's possible that we will need to do that, that there will be some confessing, uh, particularly if we're someone perhaps we're married to. We need to uh, find a way of talking about that. Uh, but uh, as said in the video, there may be uh, one or two perhaps older, maturer Christians who we can go to and be accountable to and that they can pray for us. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. One or two resources that can help us in this, so not just in our local church, but um, uh, resources that Christians have put online. I'd like to play the second video. Whereas time is going a bit, this is slightly longer. Uh, the guy is going to give us 10, 10, uh, I think, really helpful pointers. Some of them are going to recap what we've heard already. Uh, others will just take it in a slightly different direction. Here we go. Five do's, five don'ts. Hey, listen up. If you are struggling in any way with an addiction to pornography, I want to give you in this video five do's and five don'ts. So in other words, 
five things that you need to make sure that you are doing if you are struggling with this addiction, and then five things you need to make sure that you're not doing if you're having some trouble. So I'm gonna go through the five do's first, and then later the five don'ts. So do number one is to confess your sin every single time. Uh, the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, I know some of y'all are going to fight me on this, but listen, the Bible doesn't give us a limit to how many times per day that we need to confess our sins. It just says, when you and I sin, we are to go to God and to confess it, which means we are to name it. We are to agree with God that this is sin. The reason why this is so critical is that when you hear yourself confessing the same sin over and over again, then what's going to happen is over time, it's going to cause you to think, wait a second, I can't keep taking God's grace for granted. I got to get my act together. So it's important every time that you sin, you need to confess that sin to God. Now, the second do that you need to make sure that you do is to accept the free gift of grace and forgiveness that God has given you. Listen, it's important that you understand that when Jesus went to the cross, he did not just die for some of your sins, he died for all of your sins. All of your sins are nailed to the cross. Now this, because I can already hear some of y'all, all right? This does not give you a license to sin. Listen. Even though you will receive the forgiveness of your sins, you will experience the consequences of your actions. So this isn't some, you know, easy believism or some sort of easy Christianity where I'm telling you to just go and sin because you can accept the free gift. No, but what I am saying is 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says that I'm praying that you don't sin. But if you do sin, you and I have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to accept his free gift of forgiveness. Do number three is to try to identify the root cause of why you keep on falling into this particular sin. So what is going on behind the scenes? What's going on in your life? Where is the emptiness coming from? Is it because you're frustrated in your marriage? Is it because you're frustrated as a single person? Is it because you're angry with God at something? Is it because you're bored? What is the root cause that is causing you to go back to this issue again and again? So you really, really need to drill down and do the hard work to try to figure out what it is that is driving you to look at something that you should not look at online. Do number four is you gotta get some accountability in your life. Listen, Proverbs 18.1 says that the man who isolates himself seeks his own desires and he rages against all sound wisdom. What I mean by accountability is not just telling somebody that you're struggling with something. I'm talking about setting up a regular conversation with somebody that you love and respect, somebody that you trust, somebody that you can be vulnerable with, somebody that you have given the permission to ask you the hard questions in your life and you're setting up a schedule where every single week or every single day or however many, however often it takes that this person 
is asking you, hey, what did you look at online, right? And I'm gonna go a little bit further with this. And if you have the funds, I highly recommend that you invest in some sort of internet filtering software program like Covenant Eyes. I believe I have a link in the description where you can go check that out. But essentially, you're gonna make your accountability partner an ally for you and you're gonna give them access so that they can see what it is that you are looking at on all of your devices. So I wanna encourage you to get some accountability. And then the fifth and final do before I get to the five don'ts is that I want to encourage you to use your struggle, particularly after God delivers you, as fuel that ignites your purpose. Listen, the devil would love nothing more than for you to struggle with something, God heals you of it, and then because you're ashamed to share it with people, you don't even tell anybody because you don't want people to know that you used to struggle with something. So if God delivers you from anything, whatever, whether it's an addiction, whatever it is, let that be the fuel that ignites your purpose because you, more than anyone else, know how difficult it is to get over a particular issue. So now let God use you to do as David said in Psalm 51, now, O oh Lord, I will teach transgressors your ways. So help somebody else get out of the same pit that you were in if God delivers you. Now, don't number one is don't think that you've lost your salvation. This is where a lot of people struggle. They watch something online that they're not supposed to watch, maybe for a day, maybe for two days, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, and then they start questioning their salvation. Listen, just because you have a struggle in your life, a sin issue in your life, doesn't mean that you are not saved. As a matter of fact, on the contrary, if you are experiencing a level of conviction for that sin, that is consistent proof and evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in your life because it is only the Holy Spirit who can convict you of the things that you are doing. So don't number one is don't believe you lost your salvation. Should you repent? Yes. Should you confess? Yes. But don't feel that you've lost your salvation. Now don't number two is don't live in condemnation. The enemy, when you fall, wants to cause you to be inactive where you don't pray, you don't worship, you don't go to church, you don't read your Bible, you don't minister to other people, you don't make disciples, you don't share your faith. Why? Because he wants you living in guilt and shame. He wants you feeling like, you know what, I can't go to God, so I got to create some sort of buffer time between me and God, maybe three hours, maybe three days or whatever, because God is angry with me. And as a result, he wants you to be an ineffective, inactive Christian and live in condemnation for days on end because you feel guilty of your own sin. The Bible says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Should you be convicted? Yes. Should you confess? Yes. But you need to get up and make plans to try to get over that and not live in condemnation. Okay, don't number three is don't try to do something to make up for your sin, right? The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64 that our righteousness is like filthy rags to God, right? Uh, that word actually means menstrual rags, if I'm just getting a little bit explicit, right? And so basically God is saying, look, when you and I try to do something righteous to try to cover up our sin, that's like a menstrual rag to God. Like we can't do that. There's nothing we can do in order to make up for our sin. The best way you can make up for it is to make plans to not do it again. Okay, don't number four is don't make promises to God that you're never gonna do it again, right? 
uh, you know, God takes our words very seriously, particularly whenever you and I make vows to God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that it's better for us not to make a vow than to make a vow to God and to break it. So don't make promises to God like that. Just to say, God, I'm never going to do this again. Listen, you'd be better off just to say, okay, God, I am going to put some things in place to ensure that I have some defenses up in my life. But don't try to make promises to God. And then I've been waiting all video for don't number five. And for those of you who tuned in, then you're going to receive a blessing. Listen, don't rationalize it. The Bible says that he who confesses his sin and turns from them will receive mercy. But he who conceals it will not, right? So, I mean, I got those backwards. But the point is that whenever you and I sin, own it. Own up to it, right? Don't try to make excuses for it. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to minimize it. Don't try to sweep it under the rug. Don't try to uh, make excuses for it or whatever. Don't try to say, well, I'm doing better than I was last month or I'm doing better than my friend who struggles with this every day. Or you know what? Hey, my wife isn't giving me what I need or my husband isn't giving me what I need. And so as a result, you know, this is something that I should have. Uh, this is a, everybody else has a struggle. So therefore, this might be mine. There's a lot of thoughts that the devil is going to be planting in your mind as it relates to this issue. I want to encourage you not to rationalize it. So uh, I hope that these five do's and five don'ts as it relates to sexual purity will really, really help you experience victory in this area. But if you continue to struggle with it, make sure you apply these five things that you should do and make sure you avoid the five things. Well, I've overrun on time. Sorry, but I thought that was really uh, full of uh, biblical wisdom, and I wanted you to uh, hear that. Uh, just one final thing that um, I think I wish I'd heard more clearly when I was younger. So uh, those of you the, the younger, particularly if you're not yet married, uh, marriage is not the answer uh, to the problem of pornography. A uh, very common pattern is people get married. It ceases to be as much of a problem for a while, and then it comes back because it's about our hearts, and it's about where we find fulfillment and satisfaction. But uh, to my younger self, I'd like to hear this question. What story do you want to tell your future husband or wife about how you've related uh, sexually? What you've looked at or what you've sought not to look at? What you've done or what you've sought not to do? how you've see, sought to keep yourself pure for that person. That is a great, wonderful story to be able to say to someone. Well, we, we may have um, made a number of errors up to this point. We may not be able to say it in that way. And there is renewal, thankfully, through God's Holy Spirit. But where we're facing decisions, what story do we want to be able to tell our future husband and wife about how we've been seeking to live purely? For God, yes. For ourselves, yes, but also uh, for that person. Right, I'm going to stop there. Thank you very much. And over to... I think there were some questions, but I'm not sure how much time I've left for questions. Uh, great, thank you.